Hi, I'm Pastor Guy Burke. We welcome you to this week's worship with First Baptist Church Indianola. We also invite you to find out more about us at our website, www.fbcindianola.com. And don't forget to like us on social media. Join us now as we study deep truths from God's holy word. As you tune in, as you listen tonight, this will be an encouragement to you, maybe a challenge to you as well. Uh, as we think about some gospel characteristics of a post-quarantine church. And this really came from listening to a uh, leadership talk. And a guy that was being interviewed in a podcast that I was listening to, his name is John Tyson, and he's a pastor in New York City. And as he was being interviewed, he kind of just shared this, and, and it stuck with me. It stuck with me so much that it kept me up one night. And that's when I, sh- I jotted down these notes because I knew I was going to be sharing here in October. Uh, and this is what John Tyson said on that leadership podcast. He said, God shut everything down. And I just wonder if in our rush to get back to normal, have we missed what God was trying to say? He shut it all down. He locked it all down. And as we try to get back to normal, have we missed what God wants to say? That stuck with me, my friend. And maybe as you hear that tonight, maybe it'll stick with you. Because it made me think of this question. And this question, it it resonates in my heart. Are Are we desperate for what we knew or for the one that makes all things new? I believe moving forward in the Mississippi Delta as a church of associations, as the local church, as disciples, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, of the one true living God, it begins when we are desperate for him. We are desperate for him to make us new. When we are desperate for him to make our churches new, when we are desperate for him to start new works through us, when we are desperate for him to do something new in the Mississippi Delta. And as we come together, if we have that desperation, if we prayerfully seek the living God that we just sung about to draw near to him, may he do something only he can get the credit for. And so tonight I want us, I want us to think about Do we have open hands for what God wants to do after all of this? In the new normal, do we have open hands for God to do what he wants to do, to hear from him, to use us in partnership for kingdom over everything else? Tonight, I want us to narrow the focus on some indispensable characteristics, some gospel characteristics of a post-quarantine church. So join me in the book of Acts. We're going to begin in chapter 1. Very famous verse. Many of you probably have it memorized. You've probably preached it before. But it's still relevant today. And the first characteristics I want us to think about is comfort versus calling. Comfort versus calling. Let's read Acts chapter 1, verse 8 together tonight. Jesus says to his disciples, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus called his disciples to be his witnesses. And that hasn't changed for us. 
Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that calling hasn't changed for us. It hasn't changed for my church. Hasn't changed for your church. Hasn't changed for the association. But if we find ourselves trying to get back to what has made us comfortable, then it's very possible we're not going to live out the calling of Acts 1-8. If we find ourselves trying to claw our way back to what we have always known, then we may not be hearing what God wants to say to us in this day and age. And we may be missing the calling that God has for us to be his witnesses. Jesus calls his disciples to be my witnesses. This was not delivered with a package program. He, he didn't hand down a package program to go along with this. But the disciples, they went and they prayed and they sought the face of the living God. And they shared the gospel, the good news of who Jesus was. And the darkness began to flee and the church began to grow. And God began to use this group, this group that nobody would have selected in the first round, right? Right? There's no five-star recruits right here, right? And sometimes I've, I've just noticed in the Delta, we kind of have this downward look on ourselves a little bit. We're just a small church in the Delta. Nobody thinks anything of us in the Delta. Well, God thinks something of us. God thinks something of us. God called us here to be something for him. To be his witness. Because his word has to. But if we're trying to be comfortable, then we're not going to seek to live out a calling. And the gospel characteristic of churches that will thrive is that they will embrace and they will lean in to the calling of being a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And they will seek to strive after that, and they will seek to modify and innovate in order to reach that instead of trying to crawl, crawl back to what was comfortable. Because comfort and calling can't coexist. So that's what I want for you as a church. That's what I want for you as a leader to embrace and to dive in and to go with the calling of being the witness that God calls us to be. We must fight the temptation of comfort of what we've known and live out the divine calling of Jesus as the church. You know, I went to Vancouver on a mission trip. My cousin's there. He's a pastor there, part of a church planning network with Sin Vancouver. And I took a group up there we went to one of the Buddhist temples, the largest Buddhist temple in North America. And we took a tour of it. And I remember standing in this open area, and there's this large, carved-out image of Buddha. Draped around it, and it was 24-karat gold ornaments and things. This, this huge table where they would burn incense and different things. And oftentimes, when we think about idols, that's what comes to our mind. But friend, I want you to know that if we're not following the Lord Jesus as he calls us to, and we're not, we're not living out the calling of being his witnesses as his church, then there's something else on the throne of our heart. And friend, comfort can be an idol just as much as that big graven image that I saw in Vancouver. God doesn't call us to comfort. He calls us to be his witnesses. 
as disciples, collectively as the church, to live out and place the kingdom above everything. And the past is just as much of an idol. Comfort is just as much of an idol as a pagan statue. So, friend, don't long for the past. Don't long for what was comfortable in the past and miss the heart of God. Because he's calling us to something for his glory. He's calling us to be his witnesses here on earth. Second principle comes from Acts chapter 2, verse 14. So if you have your Bible, I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 14. And the second principle is this, calculated versus risk-taking. As we think about gospel characteristics for the post-quarantine church, calling has to trump comfort. And now we have to wrestle with being calculated or taking risks. Now listen to what happens here. So just to set up the context in this overall passage, Peter and the other disciples, they've been called winos, okay? That's where they're at. It's early in the morning, and they've been accused of being drunk, all right? And this, this is what Peter does. Look what he does. Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and proclaimed to them, fellow Jews and all you residents of Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and pay attention to my words. In that moment, Peter, Peter could have been calculated and said, all right, guys, we're just going to wait a minute. Because of the conflict that might could happen here. And we'll just, we'll just come over and we'll meet over here and we'll keep praying. And we'll just pray a little bit longer. And then, and then we'll come back to our fellow Jews and others later. That's not what Peter did. Mm. He could have been calculated and he could have said, guys, come on over here. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the teachings of Jesus because we walked with him, and we're going to pray just a little bit longer about it. That's not what he did. Peter took a risk, and he stood up, and he raised his voice, and he began to proclaim who Jesus was. Every time you seek to live out the calling of Jesus in your life and share the gospel, you're taking a risk, but you'll never feel more alive. This is the example we see from the early church. And for us to thrive as a church, for us to thrive as an association, for us to thrive as a state convention, for us to thrive as a denomination in this new day and age, it means risks will have to be taken. Risk in the name of Jesus, for the glory of Jesus, to share and spread the gospel. And here in the Mississippi Delta, there is a fog that needs to be penetrated with the true gospel. And that means as leaders, we're going to have to go before God and we're going to have to seek God. And we might have to stand up and raise our voice to proclaim the true gospel. But that's taking a risk that's well worth it. That's taking a risk that's well worth it. And Peter stood up. And in the post-quarantine gospel-centric church, we need to stand up. We need to stand. How many churches and folks are standing up about the flag more than they are about the gospel? I'll just leave that there, okay? I'll just leave that there. God's calling us to something more. 
He's calling us to take a stand and to take that risk, be a risk taker as a leader, be a risk taker as a group, a collective group, to do something innovative, to try something new, to take that risk, not be calculated and, and, and get back to what we know and get, and get things back so that we can, we can grasp it. No, he's calling us to take that risk. And that's going to look different for my church. It's going to look different for your church. But that's the beauty of all this. The beauty of all the churches within this place coming together in the Mississippi Delta to get in their lane for the glory of God so that souls can be awakened for all of eternity. But it means taking a risk. So we've got to fight the temptation of being calculated and going with what one, two, and three that we've been familiar with maybe for our entire ministry. And we've got to step out and take a risk Whatever God shows us, whatever he illuminates to us, we've got to take a a risk and step out by faith, especially as leaders, pastors of the church. We've got to take that risk to see God do something only he can get the credit for. To see God move in the Mississippi Delta. The third one, I want you to flip over to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. So we've seen that Calling trumps comfort. We've seen that we've got to be risk-taking, not calculated. Now I want to talk to you about being casual versus abandoned. Casual versus abandoned. Chapter 8, verse 26, this is what's written. And the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip. Get up and go out to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert road. Philip is one of my favorite biblical figures. He just is. He was in, in Acts chapter 6, he was one of, the, one of the ones that was called out to be a servant, to be, to be a deacon, and to serve others. And then earlier on, earlier on in, in chapter 8, we see that he is in Samaria, and God is blessing his ministry God is blessing his work. The Bible says that he is proclaiming the Messiah. Signs and wonders are happening. It even says that there was joy in that city. Now, every one of us preacher boys would sign up for that kind of ministry. Put put my name on that kind of ministry. When I come out of seminary, that's the kind of ministry I'm looking for. I'm preaching Jesus to all the people. They're coming forward. The city is booming with with the gospel. Sign me up for that. But then, then you know what happens? As God speaks to the angel, to Philip, he says, you're going you're to leave this Billy Graham type of ministry, right? This ministry where things are moving, things are happening all around. Every direction Philip looked, the gospel was being proclaimed and things were happening. And we'd all sign up for that. But then the angel of the Lord said, hey, go to the desert road. Now, who wants to sign up for that, right? Nobody's coming out of seminary going, let me go to the desert road. Let me head on down to the desert road. Let me, let me leave the ministry that all the, but there's too much ministry. Can you, can you imagine what, I know what I would say. Can you imagine what we would say? All this is happening. Why do you want me to go to the desert road? But that's not what we see happening with Philip. Philip goes. He is yielding obedience to God in so much that, that yes, things are happening in Samaria, but he's going to go down to the desert road. And you know the story. You know the narrative. You know what happens. 
As he is obedient, he goes down and he encounters the Ethiopian. And if we go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, to the ends of the earth. For them, in this context, Ethiopia was part of the ends of the earth. And we know that Philip is known as the evangelist as he shares with the Ethiopian. And the Ethiopian goes back with the gospel, having believed. You see, Philip is an example of being abandoned for whatever glorifies the Lord Jesus. He is an example of being hands, both hands open. He has waved the white flag with his, his life. And he has said, if you want me to go to the desert road, I'll go to the desert road for your glory. He could have stayed. He could have stayed and been comfortable and casual in Samaria where he's, where he's seeing everything. Move. And I'm just going to stay. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay comfortable. I know what's happening here. I know what's going on here. I'm not going to take any risks. I'm not going to, I'm not, you know, the desert road. Okay, I hear that, but I'm not, I, I think I'm just going to stay over here. That's not the example we see from Philip. Philip was abandoned to do whatever needed to be done for the glory of the name of Jesus. And he went directly. He was yielded in obedience so much that he went directly to the desert road. That's what God's calling us to, to live and to lead in ministry abandoned. Abandoned to whatever we have to abandon in order that some will know who Jesus is. That Jesus and his renown would go forth in the Mississippi Delta in a way and in, and in ways and methods that have never been done before. And we, it might just be advantageous for all of us to quit thinking about how things should be and begin to think about how things could be. Because Philip gives us that example from the early church. And a post-quarantine gospel-centric church will live abandoned for whatever it takes to spread the gospel, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. And may that be said about the churches here in the Mississippi Delta. Finally, we're going to go all the way back to Acts chapter 1 where we started. Acts chapter 1 verse 4. And the last, the last principle I want to share with you tonight is program versus prayerful. Program versus prayerful. When we go back to Acts chapter 1, verse 4, we see that they are gathered. This is after Jesus has ascended. And now the, the early church there is, is gathered. And they're coming together. And this is what Luke writes about them as they are gathered. He says this, they all were continually united in what? In prayer. They were all continually united in prayer. So you may be thinking, well, Pastor Guy, preacher, Brother Guy, where does this all start? Well, friend, it may sound cliche, but it starts with prayer. It starts with the work of prayer. It starts with leaders gathering others around them to be united in prayer. It starts with seeking the face of the Lord because no longer do we want to, to, to run the risk of not hearing what he has to say in this time and for this season. 
But we get before the Lord and we want to we want to have clarity in where he's calling us. If it's the desert road he's calling us to, we want to be about that. If it's a certain people he's calling us to, we want to be about that. And we'll be prayerful and not programmed because if, if we're trying to get back to what makes us comfortable, if we're trying to be casual with it, we're just trying to get back to what we knew. And most likely we'll not hear what God has for us. We'll not hear what God is trying to say to us. Our prayers must be centered around not what we believe should be, but as I said before, what we believe could be. And leaders' prayers must be kingdom-minded prayers that ask God to reveal to us exactly what needs to happen as we move forward. Friend, there's a few more months in 2020. God's not done working in 2020. We, we, we walk around, and, and I know I've, I've been guilty of it. We're like, how much more of 2020 do I need? I don't want to fall back in a few weekends because I don't need another hour of 2020. But you know what? What if God wants to use our churches starting in 2020? Two more months. What if we committed to pray that, that God would bring someone to salvation in 2020 to be baptized in our churches. Who's your one? If we went back to that and God illuminated what could be for us, think about what he would have for us if we were prayerful and not programmed. Tommy, you remember being at CN 2015, don't you, in Nashville? We were at that conference. Back when they still had conferences where people gathered all, you know, together. We were at 2015, and Vance Pittman was speaking. And he said this. He said, quickest way to empty this place is to call it a prayer meeting. That can't be said of us. That can't be said of the post-quarantine church. We must be prayerful. We must be seeking the Lord Jesus. What is our desert road? What are we willing to abandon? What, what, what is our calling let us seek that as leaders as a as, and as churches and as a network of churches for the glory of Jesus in this place in the Mississippi Delta. I love this quote. It's by English pastor and preacher Leonard Ravenhill. This is what he says about prayer. Come in here close and listen to what he says. No man is greater than his prayer life. The pastor who is not praying is playing. The people who are not praying are straying. We have many organizers, but few agonizers. Many players and payers, few prayers. Many singers, few clingers. Lots of pastors, few wrestlers. Many fears, few tears. Much fashion, little passion. Many interferers, few intercessors. Many writers, but few fighters. Failing here, we fail everywhere. characteristic of the post-quarantine church would be seeking the Lord like never before in prayer. That he might be the author of our clarity for his glory and for his name. As we wrap up, key takeaways I want to leave with you. I hope these are portable for you. I hope that you are challenged, but I hope you're encouraged about what God has for us here in the Mississippi Delta. First takeaway, live from your calling. Live from your calling. Revisit that calling. Rekindle that calling. Because God's not done, friend. 
He's not done with you. He's not done with our churches in the Mississippi Delta. He's not done working in this place. We must live from our calling. Secondly, be a risk taker. Be a risk taker. If you're, if you're up to the line, if you're up to the line and, and you're towing that line and there's something God's laid on your heart this year and there's something that, that you need to step out of faith and, and go for, friend, do it. Go for it. Be that risk taker. Take that risk for the glory of God and you'll be blessed by it. Next, live abandoned. Both hands out, open for what God has. If that's the desert road, that's the desert road. But may we be a people yielded in obedience to live abandoned for a holy, living, one true God who who is worthy of all praise from all the people here in this place he's called us to. Live abandoned for the glory of Jesus. Be available. Be available to do, try anything for the sake of the gospel. Finally, see God in prayer for what's next. We've been walking through this year. We've been trying to process it. We've been trying to understand it. So much has happened this year within our personal lives, collectively within our churches. But God's calling us to get before him, to seek his face. Ask his people in this place known as the Mississippi Delta that he loves. I remember driving down the highway in the Mississippi Delta not long after I became pastor here. And I just felt the Lord impressing upon my heart. And he was saying, do you love the Mississippi Delta like I do? Do you love the Mississippi Delta like I do? And God loves the Mississippi Delta. And he loves you and he's called you here. And if we go before him, I believe if we go before him seeking his face, seeking what he wants to do in the the last two months of this year, moving forward into a new year, we would see that he's not done. And we would marvel at who he is. We would rest in his grace. And he would supply our needs to live for him in this place and build the kingdom above everything else. And that's what I want for you. I want you to be about the kingdom above everything else. As we partner together, as we live in this place, as we live out our calling, as we seek his face, that he would be glorified here in the Mississippi Delta. He wants to use us. May we follow where he leads. May we take on these gospel characteristics of a post-quarantine church. May we rediscover the authenticity of the New Testament church. May we do it together. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone that has taken time tonight to tune in. I thank you for these leaders of our association and their faithfulness to you, God. I thank you for how you're going to use us, not only in the new year, but in the last two months. As we come together and as we think about these characteristics, may we embrace them, may we turn to you, God, and may you begin to use your people in this place to penetrate the spiritual fog and may the true gospel go forward to build a kingdom here for your glory and for your name. God, use us. May we submit to you. May we live abandoned for you. May we take those risks for you. 
May it be all for you and you alone. Do something, God, only you can get the credit for. We pray this in your holy name. Amen.